Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we're looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and don't touch my head. (laughs) Today we're talking about Minute 32, which begins with the other's threat and ends with the arrival on... The Helicarrier. Oh, sweet Helicarrier life. Hashtag Heli life. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we get to that fun, though, and again, it is just you and me uh, solo, but we're going to talk about this stupid, stupid scene. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's coming in hot. But no, it's, I just I just struggle with it. I mean, I actually like this end. It's interesting um, that we get a hint of a Leviathan like swimming through the ether behind us, right? I mean, we see that back there. Yeah, that was, I guess that was cool. That's an interesting thing. That, okay, we're hinting at there's Chitauri, and now there's, is it a giant snake? What is giant? Is it a worm? Or are we on Arrakis? Like, what's going on <laughs> are here? We on Arrakis? Suddenly, I don't, I don't know where we are, but there's a giant worm back there. Um, and we get a glimpse of the other's dental work. We get that also, which is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Terrible. And another superpower of his. So now we know he's super fast. He's got a sixth finger. And he can apparently, I don't know, send pain through space to affect Loki back on Earth. I actually, you know what I thought of the first thing when this happened? What? This is embarrassing that this is where my brain goes. But, you know, over on the Next Real podcast, one of the we're we're doing movie series right now. And a recent series we did was the Twilight series. And and I instantly (laughs) went to possibly be going with this to uh, which which what's her name? Fanning. Um, Uh, Dakota. L. L. Dakota. Yeah. No, it's it was Dakota who has the power to inflict pain on people. You know, all, all of a sudden, all the vampires have superpowers. It's a weird. Yeah. Weird movie that that movie goes into weird places or that series does, <laughs> but sure. that's where I went with this. Is like, oh, <laughs> the other is like L Fanning or Dakota <laughs> Fanning. He can inflict pain. Yeah, no, I I guess you're exactly right. He's not at, like he's not as cute as she was in that movie. <laughs> he's never as cute. She has much better teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay so can, can i ask you a question about uh, you can try what going on here yeah. i know they have this whole deal like you get us the tesseract and you can have earth mm-hmm. loki has the tesseract why, why doesn't he take earth why, well and why why doesn't thanos slash the other just say okay just send it on through we'll take it from here and you can have your little planet like yeah uh, and uh, is it the whole I, I i get it i guess what's happening is um i don't know this whole thing with the tesseract being a doorway and i i think this all boils down to something we were complaining about yesterday the reason the scepter is blue i think they really needed to create some way for this hole to very specifically open between these two infinity stones that allows loki to move from sanctuary to earth and now he can't do that going the other way because he has to open a space hole with the Tesseract, which is what we get them trying to do over the course of this film, right? That's the tool. Mm-hmm. That and that's Eric the machine that they put on top of Stark Tower to actually do yeah. the thing. Yeah. Right. And I guess that's the conceit. 
Okay. But don't you, I mean, at some level, don't you let that go in the middle of the movie and you're just like, get me back to the Avengers. Well, yeah. and Which is like why it's such a relief to be finished with the last minute and this minute to just get back to the Avengers. That's where we want to be anyway. And we know these guys are bad guys. And we know that this weird threatening dance that they're doing, we're just relieved that at this point it's it's kind of ill-founded and we're just relieved that it's less than 60 seconds long in told. Or th- maybe maybe two minutes, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we can just kind of move on with it um, because it doesn't. At this point, we're we're sort of done. What we're interested in, even interested in Loki, we're interested in Loki's interactions with Earth, with Midgard. What is he doing there? We already know enough. Yeah, and I guess that's really what it boils down to. I mean, the threats coming from from the other are what they are. We get him, you know, complaining about him and. Also, if he fails, if we don't get the Tesseract, or if you hide it from us, then you will never, ever escape us, is basically what he's saying. And that's where we get that thing with the pain. He touches Loki's side of his head, and that's when we cut back to Midgard, back to Earth, and we see Loki on Earth feeling that intense pain from the other's hand. And, you know, I mean, I get, I actually kind of like the way it plays. I think a lot of yeah. that boils down to Tom Hiddleston has an incredible sense of physical performance. Yes, for sure. We talked about this when in early minutes when he was shooting with the scepter and how it really looked like he was really pulling um it to like to blast that thing. Like he really put a lot of movement into the way they did that and we get that here. And that's I think what really sells these things. Tom Hiddleston I think just plays up this fantastical acting in such a great way. Yeah, I think he really does. And um, I, I do, I, I want to step back just a minute because of the thing that blew up. Because you got me, you provoked me, Andy. You have provoked a thought. Mm. Somehow, so is what you were implying that someplace there is a machine that sent him through the door that we saw in the first couple of minutes? Is that what you're saying? That on one side... That's what that funky machine seemed to be. I mean, we saw the funky machine that the Tesseract was in. Remember at the very beginning, we have the, oh, yeah. the scientists probing it for some strange reason. So much and, and we have a runway. We have the strange runway, all of which makes it feel like Eric was under Loki's control. But again, they never actually spell out the fact that he's under Loki's control. It's so strangely constructed. But yes. Loki, yeah, Eric is so science, though. He's like so horny for science that you think he doesn't need to be in, in, under, in, uh, under any mind control because he's so science that he will just do science when he sees it. Science? Is that science? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that science. <laughs> and so uh, that's his tagline, actually. <laughs> Hello, my name is Science. I do Is that science. science? I'm going to do I it. If I see it, I'm going to do it. Um, I want that on a shirt. Is that science? <laughs> science? I'm going to do it. If I see science, I'm going to do science. <laughs> oh, wow. Take a beat. Just let it sink in. Um, so what the thing that, that is a mystery to me is, does really do, are we meant to believe that Thanos and minions at all have the other end of that machine? Or were they just using, you know, Tesseract magic themselves? This is what I think they were doing with the scepter. And this is what I was saying in the last minute. I think they very purposefully were saying, we're going to turn this thing blue 
because we need some way for this. It's like the door knocker. It's it's like the galactic door knocker that they need to have on the other end of space. So it can knock and then the Tesseract can answer and open the door. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I guess I get that. I really, I do. It just, it feels to me like they're so they're sort of beyond that. Like there is some like especially the other, he's doing the hand the bad touch on Loki's face. Like he's capable. Potentially they are capable through other means of having a door-to-door machine. And if if that is something, if if I suppose that I agree with you, then I have an even bigger problem with this movie because none of that is ever actually explained. That's I know. It's a funky thing. The way that they set this story up, it all hinges on us very casually letting go of any explanation of what this thing is doing, how it gets Loki to Earth, and then why no one else can get here until Loki opens the space hole at the end. And even then, like, I don't think that space hole, and we'll talk about this as we get to the end of the movie, I don't think that that's Sanctuary. I think that's uh, Chitariville. 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 Uh, it could be Chitari Land. I'm not sure. Chitari Valley. Chitari Valley. <laughs> I think. Da, okay. da, da, I think. Da, well, da, I do. Valley. I actually think you're right that it's not. It, it is probably Chitari Valley. But my question is: Is Thanos there? Because the last time we were with him and the other, he was kind of right up the stairs. You're right, and, and that's why I'm thinking maybe. But again. At the very end, when we're looking through the hole, we're seeing like the Chitari, like the the place where they are, like the all the factories and stuff. Like we're seeing all of their their space buildings, and we never see those floating around Sanctuary. It makes me feel like it's a totally different area of space. None of this makes sense. Yeah, like, to me too. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, they've they, something is broken. It's very very confusing. Okay, can we go to the helicarrier yet? Well, yeah. All right. So Loki is in pain and upset because he had this little fight with the other. And now we say goodbye to him. And yes, Pete, now we can go to the Quinjet and uh, it arrives at the helicarrier and we get the theme again. Alan Silvestri has decided to give us a little more music hinting at that Avengers theme. It's fantastic. I got to say, when the Quinjet arrives on the helicarrier, it looks even more like the alien's dropship. The, the way that that nose kind of drops down and everything. Like, it yeah. is, it's just a fantastic look. I love, love, love uh, the way that it looks as it comes in for this landing here. Oh, totally. Totally, totally. I love it. I, I love the big, the giant uh, shield logo on the runway. I love the, the fact that it is just such a beautiful kind of mechanical thing. I also love it. Because in my head, I'm projecting forward to Winter Soldier when they have the Stark reactors, the arc, the reactors in the in place of the the props, and I think it's just this machine implies so much cool evolution of their technology for car- troop carrying that uh, I get very very excited about it. What do you like? Is the helicarrier a thing for you? Before we get into that, because I definitely want to jump on that, um, I just want to also nod to the fact that this is where we get to see the Quinjets really in action. You know, I I just want to make sure we touch on that, too, because this is one of the reasons that I enjoy these, and I think they're so cool, is they have these panels on their wings. And we saw it when it was flying, but it just looked like circle circular panels. What they are, they're sliding panels that open up to allow those ducted fans so that it can actually do its vertical landings. Uh, It's just, it's such a cool uh, little tech element that they add to this to make it work as a as a uh, 
was a VTAL plane, I believe is what they're described as. Vertical takeoff. Take, I think it's VTOL. VTOL. Vert- yeah. Takeoff and landing. Yeah, VTOL. I just find it super cool, especially because as it's kind of coming in, it looks like its ling- wings are closed. And then um, then they kind of, the, I don't know, the panels must open up and it it, um, yeah. it does its thing. It's, it's very cool the way the Quinjet comes in and lands on this helicarrier. Oh, so cool. Yeah. All right, helicarrier, Pete. So I asked you a question about your helicarrier. Like when you were you a helicarrier type kid? And and I asked let me, I I can set that up better. When I was a kid, I was interested like my the my toys of choice were of course like I played with action figures and stuff when I was a little kid and I liked all that stuff. But there was something really satisfying <laughs> to me about things that contained other things. <laughs> like uh like the death star and it contained other ships and stuff is yeah. that what you're talking about yeah and like the the adats like you could open them up and put other stuff inside of them and like any bases i thought were really really cool i was super into now i can't even remember what his name was what was the name of the transformer city oh yeah o- o- omicron no um, it is um, omni something omni, omni- Omnipresent. Omni- Omnipus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Omnipus Max. Metroplex. <laughs> Metroplex. <laughs> so I was always incredibly into those kinds of things. So when you show me the helicarrier as an adult and you show me planes on it and all the characters are on it, it's like this thing. And then we're about to get to its hero moment. And I cannot, I mean, I just can't get enough of it. Well, yeah. And you asked me, was I a helicarrier kid? <laughs> yeah. I I never knew what the helicarrier was. Like I never I must have missed comics where it was a thing or if it was in it like it was past a point where it had been introduced. So it was just there and I don't think I ever was paying attention to it. So I think I completely missed the helicarrier. Um I I think that since we get so little of it in this, uh I want to save the rest of the conversation for the next few minutes where we actually get okay. to see it doing more. But I will tell you here uh, they filmed this on a closed airstrip at Albuquerque International Sunsport. That's their uh, airport there. So it's interesting. We're not even on. I thought for sure, okay, they went and, you know, they got cut a deal with the uh, the U.S. military. Yeah, they went like filming on an gun. actual. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I figured that that's what they're doing. But no, they're actually filming on just an airstrip at an airport. That kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, okay, they made this look great. Like, I, I really enjoyed the look of this. The Helicarriers themselves first appeared in, it was a Nick Fury storyline in Strange Tales number 135. That was August 1965. I initially thought we do see the um, the markings on the side of it as uh, we kind of come around its tower, and it says 64 on it. I thought, oh, maybe that was the year it was first introduced. But no, it was actually 65. I don't know if that was intended for something else. I'm not sure why they chose 64 on the side. Yeah, but, that's uh, weird. There it is. It was designed in the comics by Tony Stark, Reed Richards, and Forge from the X-Men in the comics, and then built by Stark Industries. But this particular design really kind of stems from the Ultimates, and that's kind of where they pulled a lot of these elements. Because it's like so many of these things has changed so much over the course of the comics. Um, Yeah. In the film, this is approximately 1,300 feet long, roughly the size of a Nimitz-class aircraft carrier. And as you can see, it has two decks, which they the production team was really excited about the fact that it had two decks. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's just a little bit of the helicarrier here. It's Okay, so I'm supposed to show some restraint. 
in talking about the helicopter <laughs> until I know. Right, I can do that. Right. I mean, I can do that. We don't get much. And like the last shot of exactly. the last few seconds are, are a, a mysterious redhead in a leather jacket walking across the, you know, the runway. Tarmac, what do you even call it on a helicarrier? It's, I guess it's a, it's a runway still. Right? Deck. Yeah, I'm going to go deck. with the deck. They talk yeah. about a couple decks. So we'll go sure. with the deck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, I'm here for it. All right. Well, last little bit of information, just pulling some information from the Internet Movie Planes database. There's always one more. <gasps> There's one of those? Yes, there uh. is. Obviously, we have the Quinjet, which is fictional, the Helicarrier, which is fictional. But we also see the uh, Dassault Dornier Alpha Jet A. This was a light attack jet. Um, and this is what Bruce is standing in front of. We'll see more of that. But there's a bunch of these. On this ship, we also see the McDonnell Douglas AV-8B Harrier. This is the little jump jets that we have. That uh, Those are another VTOL vehicle. And last but not least, there's a helicopter sitting here. It is the Augusta Westland AW-109. This is a, a lightweight twin-engine helicopter. And what's interesting about this line of helicopters is they have wheels instead of landing skids, which is probably what most people are familiar with seeing on helicopters. What's interesting about this helicopter is it has the same serial number that was the one that Fury got onto at the beginning. Did that helicopter actually go down? Hmm. Andy, what a mystery. I know, I know. You're like Sherlock Holmes right now. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy. What is happening? What is happening? <laughs> I tell you. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's pretty much it. I know you wanted, you're champing at the bit to talk more Helicarrier. So let's save it. We've got a guest tomorrow. We'll be talking about the Helicarrier with, uh, very much looking forward to get Will Freeland on the show. And uh, that's it. So, Pete, thanks as always. Helicarrier, do go on. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>